Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. And before, uh, I want to pray before we start. Uh, I'm going to pray for the message and I also want to pray for, uh, for Aster, for Mr. Stave. Uh, join with me uh, in praying. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this morning that we can worship you. Uh, the words that Alan just, just read just remind us of how, how good of a father you are to us and how compassionate and gracious you are to, uh, to understand that we are weak and that we are dust and that, uh, that you, are, you are kind and good, Lord, to, to remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. Lord, what it is to, to be free from, from sin and from the penalty of sin because of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, thank you for this body, Lord, the people that are gathered here, the part of our church that love one another, that love you. Thank you for the, the work that you're doing in each one of us. And we want to lift up to you one of our, our precious, one of our dear saints here, uh, Mr. Stave, Aster Stave, that is, is going to be is battling cancer, Lord. And we, we pray, Lord, as he begins the, the treatments God, we ask for a healing, for a complete healing and restoration of his body, Lord. Lord, would you give him strength and endurance, Lord, as he enters into the treatment? Would you bring encouragement to him, Lord? Help us as a church, Lord, as a family of God, Lord, to be an encouragement to him. Would you be with him, Lord? May he sense your presence, Lord, in these next several months, Lord, that he will be doing treatment, Lord, that you would... uh, Reveal your presence to him in deeper and profound ways. Would you bring strength to his body, Lord, encouragement to his soul, Lord? Well, we just pray, Lord, for a supernatural healing, Lord, that you would rebuke the cancer, Lord. Lord, nothing is impossible for you, Lord. And Lord, we pray, whatever your will is, Lord, that that whether uh, whatever it is, Lord, that that Christ would be exalted in this whole process, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord Jesus, your word that uh, it gives life, Lord. It sustains us, Lord. And would you speak to us through your word today, Lord? Those of us who are going through maybe dark times or discouragement, Lord, would you bring encouragement and, and hope, Lord, and knowing that you are on the throne, God, that you are good, Lord. And we just praise you, Lord. We ask that your, your Holy Spirit would give us understanding Lord, I pray that as you told Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth. May these be your words, Lord, not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Genesis, chapter 41. We are studying the the life of Joseph, who is one of my favorite... He's one of the guys I want to meet in heaven. I don't know if you have a favorite person you want to meet in heaven someday. You know, maybe Peter, maybe... Joseph is one of them, you know, because I want to I want to ask him how, how was it <laughs> when you're going through what you're going through, and how, how, obviously he's going to be like it was the Lord, you know, but uh, but he's one of the guys I, I definitely want to meet um, uh, just to uh, just just to um, ask about his life. Joseph, of course, who is the favorite son of Jacob, who was sold by his brothers into slavery who ends up in Egypt and that was from chapter 37 we are in chapter 41 and 
I'm going to try to be aggressive today, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Joseph, of course, has been, we don't know how long he's been in prison, but it's been at least two years because two years prior, he helped the cup bear, bake, uh, the baker and the cupbearer with their dreams. Something about dreams in Joseph's life is a recurring thing. And Pharaoh has an interesting dream that he cannot interpret it, neither can his wise men interpret and I'm going to pick it up with verse 9. I'm going to go real fast. Uh, my goal is to get, hopefully, to the latter part of the chapter. And some of this is review from last week. Then the chief cup, chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh in saying, I would bring to my remembrance, or to remembrance today, my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with his servants, and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. And we had a dream on the same night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to his own interpretation. Now there was with us a Hebrew youth, a slave of the captain of the bodyguard. And he recounted to them, uh, to, to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us to each one. He interpreted according to his own dream. And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me in my office, but he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they rushed him out of the pit. And he shaved himself and changed his clothes, and he came to Pharaoh. And, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, that no one, but no one can interpret it. Yet I have heard it said about you that you hear a dream and that you can interpret it. And Joseph said to Pharaoh, saying, it is not in me. We got that far last week. We, got, we talked about that. It is not in me. It's not me. It's God. I, I can't interpret. That's God's territory, right? I'm nothing special. That's, that's the Lord. But look at his confidence. Look at what Joseph said. Look at verse 16 with me, right? We're just getting, getting started. I, it's not in me, but God will answer concerning the welfare field. I love his confidence. I don't know about you. Joseph knows that God's going to give an answer. It's not me, but God's going to give you an answer, Pharaoh. Would it be that we walk with that confidence? That God's going to come through, that God's going to answer prayer, that God's... Would we have that kind of faith, you know? Would it be that we would not walk in doubt and, dis- and discouragement, but walk and say, God's going to come through, God's going to answer, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, sir, whatever he, he's... I love how Joseph has this utter trust in the Lord. He understands that it is God who gives insight into things. God gives understandings. I love, I love in the Scripture how, how Jesus opened up their minds to understand the Scripture, right? Without the Holy Spirit's help, we can't understand the Scripture. We can't get insights into what's going on, but the Holy Spirit can. And the Holy Spirit is not a silent partner. He is God Almighty, Right? If we would just listen right, and pay attention to what he's saying. He does speak, amen? So Pharaoh says, so in, in my dream, uh, behold, I was standing on the bank of the Nile. Behold, seven fat cows, sleek, came up out of the Nile, and they grazed in the reeds. And behold, seven other cows came up before them, after them, rather, poor and very ugly and lean, such as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt in regard to this ugliness. And the lean and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. But they were, um, they devoured them. And yet it would not be known that they had devoured them, for they were just as ugly as before. Then I awoke, 
Then I also in my dream saw seven ears full and good. They came up on a single stalk. And behold, seven ears withered and thin and scorched by the east wind sprouted up after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. So I told it to the magicians and there was no one who could declare it to me. Then Joseph said, and this is, we're going to look at the first part. I've got some headings. The first heading is the revelation. The revelation from verses 25 to 32. Here's the revelation. God, or Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. It's two parts, but it's the same dream. It's the same dream. God has declared to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And we're going to talk about that in a second. God has declared to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. The seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. And the seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven lean ears scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt. And after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will ravage the land, so that the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine, for it will be very heavy. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is confirmed by God and God will bring about it quickly. I want you to, I want you to note three things here, okay? Because I'm, I'm, I like to highlight my Bible. I, I love to mark up my Bible. Some people don't like to mark up. I'm a marker upper, right? I'm a highlighter. I'm a, I'm a interact with the text thing, you know. That's why I have my Bible. has wide margins. It could be wider. If my, I wish it was a little wider, but it would be a bigger book, you know. It can't fit my, but here's the thing. Look at verse 25. God has declared to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Look at verse 28. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Verse 32. God, uh, the matter is confirmed by God. God will bring it by the quick. Who is in control of this whole situation? God is. Now we can go, I can go, I can do it. But, but God has declared what he is about to do. Not God has declared what will happen and he's passive and, and, and weak and he can't handle it. No, what he's about to do. He is in control of all things. Amen? See, the revelation here is God's providence, God's sovereignty. Hey, the Pharaoh, God's shown you what the future holds. What he's going to do in the future. He's going to bring seven years of, of great uh, abundance and seven years of famine. And he's letting you know. I always wonder, well, why are you telling Pharaoh? Well, hold on here. See, you got to remember, the, who are the first audience? Who's the first audience in this? The children of Israel. And they're learning, what is this God like? They're coming out of Egypt. They're there for 400 years. And here's Moses teaching him about what this God is like. And here, he's talking to Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh is real strong. He's powerful. And God says, hey, knock, knock on the door. Pharaoh, hey, you're, you think you're great? Um, let me tell you what's up. I'm going to do something. You can't stop me. I'm going to tell you about it ahead of time so that you know that I'm God. That's basically what he's doing, right? God knows the end from the beginning. God is ultimately in control of history. He controls. He doesn't just know the future. He controls the future. It's all scripted, right? It's, all, it's planned out. And he, he knows the beginning from the end. 
don't know about you, but that, that, that comforts me. Why? Because I don't want to follow God who's trying to figure things out along the way. How about you? I want to, I want to follow a God who, who, has, who knows what the future holds. He knows what's going to happen. God is sovereign over future. History is going to go according to His plan. It's His story, right? History, His story. His plan. He's not surprised at the things we face. He's not surprised at the future. He's sovereign over the future and sovereign and controlling over it. I want you to turn with me to a couple of uh, verses real fast. Um, look at Isaiah chapter 41. Turn to your right. Go to Isaiah 41. We'll go a little Bible study here. Isaiah 41, verse 22. Verse 20, let's do verse 21. And this is sort of God speaking to false idols and false gods and challenging them. Bring your case, bring in your case, Yahweh says. Bring forward your might, Isaiah 41, 21. Bring forward your mighty arguments, the king of Jacob says. Let them bring it forth and declare to us what is going to take place. As for the former events, declare what they were, that we may establish our heart on them and know their outcome or cause us to hear what is coming. Like, Tell us what's going to happen, false gods. See, a true God knows what's really going to happen. Amen? Declare, declare the things that are to come afterward, that we may know that you are God, small g, indeed, do evil or good or evil, that we may anxiously look about us in fear together. Behold, you are nothing, you're, and your work is not existence. He who chooses you is an abomination. This is God challenging the false isles about knowing the future. I love how God, Joseph is saying to, J, uh, to Pharaoh, hey, you think you're God in Egypt? But God has showed up and he says he's going to tell you what he's going to do and there's nothing you can do about it. I love that, right? I don't know what gets you afraid. But th- that ought to, I don't know, that was like, Pharaoh was like, gulp, okay. <laughs> go to chapter 40, uh, see in Isaiah 43. Uh, let's go to verse, um, verse 9. All the nations have gathered together so that the peoples may be assembled. Who among them can declare this and make us hear the former things? Let them present their witnesses that, we, that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares Yahweh, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. And before me there was no God formed. And there will be none after me. Mormon neighbors, there's no other gods. I'm sorry, you're not going to become a god in some other planet. There's only one god in all of existence. Amen? Amen. There's none before me. There's none after me. I, even I, am Yahweh, or the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. It is I who have declared and saved and caused to be heard, and there was no strange God among you. So you are my witnesses, declares Yahweh, and I am God. Even from eternity, I am He and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse? And Joseph says, amen. He says to Pharaoh, hey, God has shown you what he's about to do. Now you have a choice, Pharaoh. (laughs) You can try to resist it, or you can submit to it. But God will be glorified in what he does. 
Amen? He's sovereign over the kings. He says in Psalm 97, verse 9, For you are the Lord Most High over all the earth. You are exalted above all gods. God Himself establishes kings and kingdoms. You know, Nations come and go and kings come and go. And they're all ordained by God to accomplish His purposes on this earth. Daniel uh, verse uh, chapter 2 says, It is He who changes the times and the epics. He removes kings and He establishes kings. He gives them wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is He who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells in Him. I can just camp out on this one point right here because, you know, we have to be reminded that God is in control. Amen? I don't know about you, but life can be real distracting and be discouraging. You can get caught up in all kinds of rabbit trails of stuff and you forget to look at the fact that God is on the throne and no one's going to knock Him off. Amen? Amen. Jesus shows up on the scene and the demons say, Whoa, what are you doing here? You're Jesus, the Son of God. No one else recognizes you, but the demons recognize, Hey, it's not our time. Can, can, you, can, you, can you just hold off Jesus? You know, They are afraid. That's how powerful God, well, Jesus Christ is. Amen? The devil's on a short leash. Now, sometimes the devil works us over, amen? God allows sometimes the devil to, 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 to attack us, right? But it's also we can turn to God. See, the devil's trying to do one thing. He's trying to get you to doubt and dislike God, right? And doubt God and disbelieve God. And if you can, if through the midst of all the stuff you're going through, if you can say, Christ, I'm going to exalt you. Jesus, I'm going to trust you. Boy, I feel alone right now. Boy, I feel down. Boy, I feel so much doubt. But I'm going to trust you. I will trust you no matter what. I'm excited. How about you? Man, this week was, I told you before, this week was a little rough. I had a little spiritual attack going on. Got like that, you know. I'm like, Lord, but the Lord is faithful. Sometimes during those times when you're going through the midst of it, you know, sometimes it's like, Lord, I don't know, understand. I don't know why. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to praise you. Oh, boy, does that... The devil hates that. How dare you praise the Lord? But you're going, do you know what you're going through? You're going to praise God, yes, because I'm going to praise God no matter what. If I only praise God during the good times, what is that? If I bless Him during the bad times, oh boy, He gets the glory, amen? Because I don't understand. Here's Joseph. Come on, Joseph, you've been in jail for how many years? You've been away from your family. 13 years he's been gone. And yet, he has still it within him to say, God gives the answers. There's no bitterness in Joe. He glorifies God. God is ultimately in control. I love later on, if you look, read the book of uh, Daniel, there's a king called Nebuchadnezzar who is a very powerful king, very strong. But Nebuchadnezzar went through a time in his life where he acted like an animal. He identified as an animal, basically. Literally, he identified as now. So he started eating grass and living in like he was a cow or something. His 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 hair grew longer. He's got longer fingernails, you know. And he's he lived that time for for a time, you know, for a season of his life for a couple of years or so. There's a medical condition. I forget what it's called, but it actually happens. And he he went insane basically. This is this great king who had a he was one of the most powerful kings in all the world ever was reduced down to acting like he was an animal. And then one day, he writes, he says these words, but at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my reason returned to me. Oh, that reason would return to people around this world, right? 
You're going to go, you're going to identify with all kinds of nonsense until you reason that God is God and you're a creature, you're created in his image, you're loved by God, Jesus Christ loves you, you're not this or that, you are made in the image of God. Amen? And he says, my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honor him for who lives forever. He just got back to his senses. He's in the midst of the grass, the dew still wet on his, not fur, but his hair, and his, he's still, he's probably got long hair, he's probably looking like, like Tarzan or something, you know? And he, he comes to his senses and he says, he, he, realized, he says, I praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Oh, let it be that each generation picks up on the, on the idea that God is God, that God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? Right, amen? And if he was faithful to you a year ago, or five seconds ago, he'll be faithful to you in the future. He doesn't change, amen? And his kingdom, I don't know, take a breath. Take a breath. Is that what he said? Slow down, huh? Pause button. How could you not read the Bible and not be excited? How could you not be excited? Right? It's good news, amen? Turn off the bad news, you know? Turn on the good news. This is good news. We need, who needs, we need good news, don't we? Yes. Back in, I remember Buffalo, New York, we used to have good news on uh, channel, whatever, 29 or something. A little thing on Saturdays, you know, good news, you know. I was, they look weird, but there's something, something to be said. Look at the good news. Anyway, continue. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, but he does according to his will, Pharaoh. He does according to his will. In the host of heaven and all the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Oh, I love that. God is sovereign over our lives. God, go back to Genesis God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. And if he's about to do something, it's going to be done. And by the way, he's telling this to Pharaoh, but the implication is that Israel, the first audience, was to hear it and say, nothing can thwart his plans for you, Israel, and nothing can thwart his plans for you, individual believer, fearer of God, lover of Jesus, no matter what. God orders even the minutest things of life. He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He even directs the environment. We think we control the environment. No. God says, I'm going to give seven years of abundance. Great. Who caused that? God did. I'm going to give seven years of famine. In fact, it's going to be so bad, it was unheard of. To let people know that he controls even the winds and the waves. Jesus rebukes it, and they said, Who is this that even the winds obey him? Amen? He is in control of what's about the, about the future. 
And this is the immediate future. This is seven to 14 years. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to year. Seven years, seven years, 14 years. I don't know what's going to happen seven or 14. How do you guys know what's going to happen seven years from now? I'd be a super rich man and I can, you know, bet on the stocks, you know, and do all that, you know. But I do know this, though. If God controls and knows the future back in Genesis 41, I do know that he controls ultimate history, amen? I do know that Jesus Christ is going to return. I can, count, I can bank on that. Uh, he's been 2,000 years. You're like, well, how can it be taking so long? Well, maybe he wants more people to join the family, right? Because if we're going to be living eternity, you know, with him in heaven, hey, let's more the merrier. I'm about that. Some of us are introverted. We want to find the quiet place in heaven. I get that. I, I understand that. But I, we, want, you know, we want more people to be saved, right? Jesus Christ knows that he's going to come. And everyone knows. If you look at Revelation, which is the end of the book, by the way, you, you should be encouraged by the fact that it ends out okay, that Christ has won on the cross, and that the final battle of sin and, and death and hell and Satan, that will be, all be done away with. And God is allowing sin to play its course. He's allowing sin to do what it's got to do, right? But ultimately, it's going to be cast, and Jesus Christ will come back as King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and though, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. He is to reign. Your throne, Hebrews writes, says, your throne, speaking of the Son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Daniel says that, that he, Jesus, the, the, uh, the, the Son of Man, who comes to the Ancient of Days, the Son comes to the Father, and to Him, the Son, Jesus, was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, the nations, and of every language might serve Him, and His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will never pass away, and His kingdom will never be destroyed. Pharaoh, I'm telling you about 14 years into the future, but let me tell you 4,000 years into the future, I'm just put a number out there maybe it's maybe it's more less i'm telling you that jesus christ is going to come he's going to return he's going to reign he's going to judge and he will destroy death and what does this have to do with genesis it's the same god go back to genesis um amen god has shown pharaoh what he is about to do now again i ask the question why is he telling pharaoh this is kind of odd pharaoh why are you well, here, one thing, it would bring encouragement to Israel, the first here, is that God works even within the hearts of unbelievers. That God can direct unbelieving men of power to his will. He doesn't need to ask permission. Hey, can I come in here and talk to you, President? King? No, he just shows up and says, here's what's going to happen. Now, here's what's interesting that God is in control both of the time of abundance and he's also in control of the time of famine. Okay, so how does that work, God? For some reason, he allows the famine for a reason. He tells ahead of time what's going to happen. I'm going to bring this about. Maybe to encourage Israel and to encourage us. Not every day, not every season of our life is a time of abundance. We can't live in, you know, mountaintops are good, but there's times where we go through the valley of shadow of death, amen? There are times we, we go through famine times. And that's not unusual. And God says, I'm still in control of that. 
And would it be that our preparation in the time of abundance has maybe will help us out in the time of the famine? Amen? God allows seasons and times of plenty and seasons and times of want. And God can be trusted in the times of famine as much as he is praised in the times of abundance. Amen? He's the same God. We think, well, if he's God, he, he can make it so there's no famine times. Well, God has wisdom way beyond my, my pay grade. For some reason, the famine times are necessary. Are you concerned about the future? Do you worry about the future? I worry about it. We all worry about it. But, we, but, but where is God in that future? Is it God, my plans aren't going to come to pass? Or is it God, whatever your plan is, let me trust that you're Lord no matter what. That was the, the revelation. The revelation, of course, was the sovereignty and providence of God. Now let's look at the recommendation. Verse 33 to 38. So now let Pharaoh look for a man understanding and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. And let Pharaoh take action and appoint overseers over the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land in the seven years of abundance. And then let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming, and let them store up the the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority. And let them keep watch over it. And let the food be appointed for the land in the seven years of famine, which will will happen in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not be cut off during the famine. And the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? I love Pharaoh. This is what's going to happen. Here's a revelation. And the recommendation isn't to sit around idly and say, Well, there's nothing I can do about it. God's will is going to be done. No, 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 no. Just the opposite. Hey, because we know what's going to happen in the future, let's plan ahead. Because we know something is coming, let's spend our time preparing for that. God's giving us the warning so we can now do something about with that knowledge. Amen? It's okay to plan for the future, isn't it? It's wise to plan for the future. It's wise to, if you have a knowledge of something is going on, something's coming up, hey, use wisdom. You know, the Proverbs talks about the ants. You know, the ants, you know, they have no general, but they, they store up things. You know, they're smart, you know, they're little bitty ants, you know. Learn from them, the, 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 the Proverbs says. He says, let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise. That, those two words go together sometimes, and they refer to, um, one is the discerning or understanding, understanding, knowledge. Somebody has knowledge and insight into, but then wisdom is the application of that insight. Wisdom, you know, a lot of people have knowledge. Scientists have knowledge. Some leaders have knowledge, you know, but wisdom is now applying that knowledge to practical ways of life. You know, what do you do with that? The world has a lot of knowledge, but it has not as much wisdom, right? So let Pharaoh find somebody that can do this, that can help you prepare for what's coming. And let Pharaoh take actions, action. 
Pharaoh, God is telling you this ahead of time so you can prepare. And by the way, God wants to preserve his people, so that's why he's telling Pharaoh. And I love the fact that Pharaoh, okay, just, just, just catch this. Joseph was in prison, right? He's this Hebrew person that the cupbearer mentioned to Pharaoh. Just, just picture this, right? The cupbearer couldn't remember Joseph's name. When he said a Hebrew youth, he almost used Hebrew as a, as a like, derogatory, like, like the, some Hebrew kid in prison. But picture this. Joseph has been away from home for 13 years. He's been, he's been stripped once, thrown into the pit. Stripped a second time, thrown into a dungeon. Talking about his wife, his Potiphar's wife. He's been in jail, falsely accused. He's been faithful to God along that time, right? And Pharaoh sends for this unknown Hebrew kid to come interpret dreams. Joseph wakes up that morning, probably expecting it to be like any other day. And Pharaoh is about to hand all of Egypt into this young man's hands. Joseph, they said, it says in verse, verse 14, it says they rushed him out of the pit. They got him out of the pit. They got him, hey, go shave, go clean. How long does it take to clean up? Shave your head. Shave, they shave everything, you know, cleaned up, wash up. Okay, let's say it's an hour. Let's say it's two hours. Let's say, he's right, let's say he's near the palace. We don't know. Let's just say it hasn't been a whole long time. Joseph doesn't have time to, to rehearse any speeches. He just kind of, he brings who he is to, the, to Pharaoh, right? And with a matter of, of minutes, he's instantly elevated to be in control of all of Egypt. Joseph doesn't have time to become a different person. He has to be who he is. He has been faithful in the little things, faithful in the small things. They put him in charge at Potiphar's house. They put him in charge in jail. He's been forgotten. And then one day, within a matter of an hour, let's say, he's elevated to a new position. God can turn things around quickly. And you will not spend one last second in that prison longer than God has ordained. Now, it does not mean that everyone's you know, going to be out of prison or whatever, but it means that if God has some assignment for you somewhere else, it, it won't be like, it'll be quick. Because God's in control, isn't he? And Joseph is the perfect man. He says, let Pharaoh take action. Plan ahead for what God is bringing you. Heed God's warning here. And God, of course, is warning them of this famine. 
And he wants to preserve his people. Israel would later be warned by even the prophets. The prophets would spend time calling Israel to come back to the Lord. And it's been years of warning them. What do you do with what God tells you? Do you just ignore it? Or do you do something about it? God has already told us what's going to happen in the future. Doesn't, isn't He? Isn't He? Yeah. The Lord has already told us. What are we to do with what we know now? There's a lost and dying world out there. There's family members that God wants us to reach out to or wants us to pray for. There's relationships that God wants us to heal up and mend. There's people that God wants us to forgive. Now is the time. We're in, we're, we're in the time of of a blessing. And as the people of God, what do we do with that blessing? Israel was supposed to be a light to the nations. What's their recommendation? Plan ahead. Take action. Do something with what you know. Look at verse 36. And let the food be appointed for the land for the seven years of famine, which will happen in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not be cut off during the famine. During the times of blessing, let it be that we gather up in times of plenty, so that during the times of famine and want, we can pull from things that have been stored. How do you respond to what God has shown you? When you read in Scripture, how does it change you? What do you do with it? Is it just words on the page? Or do you take it to heart and say, let me do something about what I've just learned? There's a lot of people claiming to be Christians who have a lot of head knowledge, but have not allowed it to say, now how is my life different because of what I know? Let it be that I don't walk like the world because I don't think like the world. All right, real fast. I'm going to do one more point and then I'll finish. The response and the responsibility, verse 39. So Pharaoh said to to Joseph, Since God has made you known all of this, and there is no one uh, so understanding and wise as you are, you shall be over my house. Joe, you were just in prison an hour ago, and Pharaoh is going to give you the keys to Egypt. You shall be over my house. What does that tell you about Pharaoh? It tells me he's a smart guy, isn't it, right? He recognizes um, this dream isn't just a dream, it's a revelation from God. 
And this young lad, there's something to him. That's the hand of God. Remember, the, think about this. This is just a dream. In the next seven years, they're going to be living their life in anticipation for what they think is going to come. That's called living by faith, isn't it? They don't wait for the famine to prepare. That's too late. And Pharaoh, i, I got to commend Pharaoh here. He's, he's trusting Joseph with the kingdom of Egypt. He says, he says, you shall be over my house, verse 40, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. You talk about a quick change from prison to palace that fast, God can do it. God doesn't need anybody's help. If he wants to bring you somewhere, he'll bring you, and you won't have to argue about it or him and haw about it. He'll make that change, you know? In the meanwhile, just trust him. But since God, verse 39 again, since God has made you know all of this, you know, with revelation comes responsibility, doesn't it? Since you, since you know, if he shows you something, he expects you to do something about that something. Amen? And Pharaoh is right on. Since God has made you know all this. Now, I, I just want to get a little tactical. The, he, the word for God here is, is, um, is Elohim. And it's a, it's a, it's a plural form. But it mean, they use it for, the, for, for God or gods. And when Joseph used it, he uses it. He said, the God, Ha Elohim. Here, Pharaoh just uses his God. But I think there's a recognition that whatever God, this God is, is in charge of Joseph's life, there's something, separate, something different about this God, right? Israel was to learn about it and say, wait, our God is above their gods. Because even their God, Egypt, small g, Pharaoh, is taking or following orders from the big God, big G, orders. In other words, there isn't this fear of, oh, who, no, this is, okay, this is, this is something different here. There's, the hand of God is on this young lad. The hand of God is making, since God has made you all know all of this, God was a difference in Joseph's life. And he entrusts Joseph with this responsibility. The promotion and advancement is from the Lord. In fact, the psalmist talks about that. I'll just read it real fast. Psalm 75, I'm just going to read. For one's rising up does not come from the east nor from the west and not from the desert. But God is the judge and he puts down one and he raises up another. This advancement is from the Lord. Um, Joseph is now called to this and now he has to be responsible. Now Joseph is put in charge. Look what happens. He says, verse 41, I set you over the land of Egypt. Verse 42, and Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. That was basically, uh, he can sign documents, he approves of things. He's basically, he has, uh, he has Pharaoh's um, authority to do whatever he wants to do. And then he closed them. Look what he says. And he closed them with garments of fine linen, 
and puts him a gold necklace around his neck. He gives him a, set, a chariot, verse 43. And they call out before him, bow the knee. He's the second chariot behind Pharaoh. And they say, bow the knee, make way, clear the way for Pharaoh and Joseph. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, verse 44, Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall rise his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. Now Pharaoh is trusting Joseph to now fulfill what he's supposed to do, right? And Joseph has to be responsible and say, Now I've got to put to action what now is in my charge. And Joseph is trustworthy and faithful to do that. Because he fears God. He has wisdom. He has understanding. But he's also trustworthy. And he was trustworthy in the small things. Potiphar's house. In prison. And now he's just as trustworthy over the big things. See, don't look for the big things. Just be faithful where you're at. No matter where you're at. Let that be your character. And Joseph, of course, actually does what he promised to do. I'm going to save the grains. I don't know about some people today. Some leaders might take some of the grain for themselves, you know, and they might get rich off the grain. But Joseph understands that he fears God, and God's going to honor for that. With revelation comes responsibility. Joseph... He is responsible. I love how the fact that God had already prepared Joseph. He already gave Joseph everything he would need to accomplish this assignment. He was being prepared in that time in jail of waiting. Thirteen years of waiting. Thirteen years of being prepared until the day that God called him. I'm going to stop here. We'll finish uh, up the rest of the chapter next week. Uh, Let's just pray and praise the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, that you know the beginning from the end. You you know what you're going to do in history. You know what you're going to do in our lives. And that you are not just, you're powerful enough to do it, Lord, but, but you are good, Lord, in what you do. Lord, help us to remember that you are in control of our lives. Lord, I pray also, Lord, that you would work in our lives a faithfulness to you no matter what season we're in. And that you would accomplish that work, Lord, in our hearts, in preparing us, maybe working on our hearts, Lord, in in a way that would glorify Christ, Lord. And no matter where you have us, Lord, Help us to give glory to you, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us even to praise Jesus during the, the difficult times. To trust you, Lord, when we can't see where, where answers are coming from. Where we, maybe we feel like you're silent, or maybe we just don't know where you're at. But help us, Lord, to, to understand that you are with us. You have not left us nor deserted us. And maybe our life is not going to according to our plan. But help us trust and yield to your will, Lord. And finally, Lord, I pray that you would help us, give us wisdom 
and insight as to how to what to do with the knowledge that we have how to prepare for the future how to be used by you Lord to to bring people into the kingdom Lord thank you for your kindness your faithfulness your goodness we love you we praise you we love you in Jesus name Amen Amen why don't we stand up and uh I don't know about you, I kind of liked having no screen today. It's kind of cool. God's good. Amen. Well, I'm going to bless you, and then we're going to have uh, everyone come over, have lunch, and uh, have a wonderful time packing the blessing bags. Father, I just thank you for my church family here, and uh, pray your blessing on each one here in person and online. Encourage those who are discouraged and help us, Lord, to draw near to you, Lord. And I pray your blessing, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, everyone said, all right, God bless. We will see everyone in just a little bit.